Revelation chapter 14. I didn't. I had no idea that uh, our study in eschatology was going to wind up with a verse by verse through the latter half of <laughs> Revelation. But here, here we are. I'm expecting to pick up the pace a little bit starting next week. Um, but then, you know, expectations go. <laughs> okay, Revelation 14 verses 14 through 20. The reaping of the harvest of the earth. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud was was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, because the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. And another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. And the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into a great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. That's a lot of blood. (laughs) And that's a lot of wrath. And that's what this passage is, is all, that's what this whole section now is, has been and is all about. Now, <clears throat> I'll go reintroduce a, uh, a word we've talked about. This Revelation 14, uh, uh, 14 through 20 is, is a proleptic summary. Remember that word, proleptic? Remember that one? The, remember the proleptic errors we did a few weeks ago? And uh, which is a summary of what is to be described in more detail in chapters 15 through 20. Again, those proleptic terms are those that they state something as having happened, even though they haven't happened yet. <laughs> okay, just as, as way of describing things and just getting us set up. And this whole section is like that. It just does that. Boom. And like the sickle swung in and the entire earth was harvested. Well, well that should be the end, right? Well, yeah, that is the end. But a description of how that Sickle sweeps is coming up in future passages, like especially when you get into chapter 16, 17, 18, and then culminating in 19 and 20. So, now the upcoming harvest of the earth has been predicted for centuries. I mean, it just, this is part of biblical prophecy ever since the beginning. I'm going to, I'm going to read a lot of these um, like I say, we could we could all read we we could all read together if we wanted to. The only problem is, you know, with all the different translations that we have out here, it'd be kind of like you know, welcome to Sunday morning at Corinth. You know, I mean, can't understand anything. <laughs> you know, so so we won't. So let's go to Isaiah. <clears throat> and again, we may not get to all these, but it's what I want to do is. After reading what we just read in Revelation 14, I just really want to capture 
for us the consistency of this book of Revelation with the Old Testament prophets and even some of the New Testament passages as well. And again, and these are just a, a sampling. There's many, many more. Isaiah 2, 12 through 22 <clears throat> For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty and against everyone who is lifted up, that he may be abased, that it will be against all the cedars of Lebanon that are lofty and lifted up, against the oaks of Bashan, against the lofty mountains, against the hills that are lifted up, and every, <clears throat> and every high tower, against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish, against the beautiful craft, and, and, and the pride of man will be humbled, and the loftiness of men will be abased, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. So that right there is a big tip-off that that hadn't happened yet. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. But the idols of will, will completely vanish, and men will go into caves in the rocks and into the holes of the ground. Does that ring a bell to pass? They'll call, they'll call for the rocks to hide them, earlier chapters in Revelation. Um, <clears throat> the, before they, they'll, into the holes of the ground before the terror of the Lord. And, and it, when we get into 16, it, the terror is there. And before the splendor of his majesty, <clears throat> when he arises to make the earth tremble, in that day men will cast away the moles of the, and the bats and, and their idols of silver, their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship in order to go into the caverns and the rocks and the cliffs of the cliffs before the terror of the Lord and, and the splendor of his majesty, when he arises to make the earth tremble. Stop regarding man whose breath of, of life is in his nostrils, for why should, why should he be esteemed? And then just move forward to thir- Isaiah 13, 9. <clears throat> it says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash for their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. And I will, then I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud, and abase the haughtiness, the ruthlessness. I will make a mortal man scarcer than pure gold, and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore... I shall make the heavens tremble, and the earth will be shaken from its place, and the fury of the Lord of hosts in the day of his burning anger. Right, and and it just, you can just go on. And it just, it's like this. Uh, we can, let's look at Isaiah 63. You know, this, I hate to just miss, it. Just, these things are just so pointed and just so clear. You know, and again, it, it just tie the whole scripture together. It just, it just really goes together. 63.1, Isaiah. <clears throat> Who is it that comes from Edom with garments of glowing colors from Bozra? The one who, who is majestic in his apparel, marching with greatness and his strength. Who are these people? That's what he's asking. It is I who speak in the righteousness mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like the ones who treads in the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone for the, from the peoples. There was no man with me. I also tread them in my anger. And this is like Lord speaking through Isaiah. I also trod them in my anger, and I tempt them with, in my wrath. And their, life, and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stained all my raiment. 
For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my <clears throat> year of redemption has come. And I looked, and there was no, no one to help. And I was astonished, and there was no one to up, uphold. So my own arm brought salvation to me. And again, right here, it's the Lord speaking as if he's Israel, speaking about himself. I mean, you just kind of have to go like, like I said, Isaiah would be a study in itself. My goodness. And then verse 6, And I trod down the peoples in my anger, and I made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. And I mean, it's just, it's again, so consistent. And then Joel chapter 2, I mean, that's one of these very pointed, prophet Joel. You keep moving forward. Hosea, you go Hosea, Joel, right after Daniel. We know where Daniel is. We've been, we've visited him quite often. (laughs) Hosea, Joel, Amos, if you hit Amos, you can back up. <clears throat> Joel 2, Joel 2, verse 30. Interesting thing here, um, just a little note, because again, this passage of Joel uh, has some interesting issues with it. In the Hebrew Bible, chapter 2, 28 through 32 is actually chapter 3 in the Hebrew Bible. And then chapter 3 is chapter 4 in the Hebrew Bible. Just as a little note there. That's how they broke it up. I'm going to start at verse 30 of chapter 2 in our English Bibles. And I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be delivered. Okay? Uh, for on Mount Zion in Jerusalem there will be also those who escape, and the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Now we saw that earlier, where remember the angel like flew out with that message? One last message. Some will heed that message. There will be some that heed that message. And then we move on to chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem... I will gather all the nations, and I will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, a.k.a. Armageddon. <laughs> okay. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. <clears throat> they have also cast lots for my people, traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine, that they may drink. And then just pop forward because there's so much, just trying to shorten it. 12 through 17. Let the nations be aroused and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Sound familiar? <laughs> okay. Come, tread for the winepress is full, the vats overflow for their wickedness is great, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon grow dark, the stars lose their brightness, the Lord roars from heaven, from Zion, and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble, but the Lord is a refuge for his people, and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain, so Jerusalem will be holy, and strangers will pass through it no more. And we know that has not happened either. Now, I can come back to the Matthew passages 
also where Jesus often speaks, and we'll, I'm going to get into that a little bit later. We'll, we'll, I'll save these. But just moving on, we'll back to, back to Revelation 14. I mean, I can think of so many places in Revelation already and other places in, throughout Scripture where uh, it talks about that. But first of all, one like a son of man, that, that term. That, now, sometimes in some Bibles, I don't maybe if someone has one here, you can let me know. A son of man is there. And uh, this will, first of all, the Son of Man is an obvious reference to Messiah Jesus in this one. People say, well, isn't it an angel? No, I don't think so. Uh, And they say, well, the argument for an angel as opposed to Christ is that the the other, another angel, verse 15, came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickles, like, well, is Jesus taking orders from an angel? No, no. Jesus, I believe, is on that cloud with the sickle waiting for the right, just the picture is him sitting there waiting for the right time, and the angel pops up and says, it's the right time, <laughs> okay? It's like the message from the Father to come, and it's time to reap, all right? Now think of that right now. Let's look at Daniel 7. I should have had us put our finger there while we were so close. Anyway, Daniel chapter 7, we've been here before, and... We'll probably be there again. It is such a key passage in terms of Messiah. Daniel seven thirteen and 14. Again, remember the context of this? We had the various nations, and then there's coming that nation that will live, that lasts forever and ever and ever. That's Messiah's kingdom. And so that's the context of Daniel 7. I kept looking at the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days, that would be referring to the Father, and was presented before him. And to him, that's the Son, was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, unlike every other nation mentioned here in this Daniel 7, okay, and has and will exist, okay? That's just, it's going to happen, you know, God says in his word that is a matter of fact. His kingdom is the only one once that's going to last forever. And once he gets here, uh, that's it for everybody. Now, a son of man, the turn, a son of man, as opposed to the son of man. I believe, the, I believe a son of man is the correct way because there is that there, there's no the in the Greek New Testament. So a uh, is the right one, a son of man. Is that lessening who he is? No. I believe it's linking this passage with Daniel 7 where it's a son of man. Okay, I believe there's a definite link. And why I say that, look at Revelation 10. Revelation 10, 7. I mean, for a number of reasons I say that. But it's consistent, again, with how Revelation is put together. And speaking of this judgment that's coming, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, and we are in that time, in 14 is, is in that area of the seventh angel, the seventh trumpet, okay, when he is about to sound them, the mystery of God is finished. 
as he preached to his servants the prophets. And so you, in, with that thought in mind, as we move forward into this, again, we're in that time frame and a lot of discussion is being made following that the seventh angel blasting his trumpet. I mean, that, that is huge. It's going to wind up going into the seven bowls of wrath, which is next. I mean, which is all part of that. That just opens up into that. I mean, it just goes all the way to the actual second coming. That seventh trumpet is huge. I mean, that just literally blows open the whole thing. And it's it just coming right on. Um, and so now the Son of Man. Now the Son of Man, and I'm back in our notes here, was a title most, oft, most used by Jesus referring to himself. And I've got a whole laundry list of examples that, um, let me see, do a little, do, well, I, I, I just stuck with Matthew. Number one, he's got the most because Matthew gospel is, uh, he majors on Christ the, the king, Christ the Messiah, coming to set up the kingdom. That's why we have a lot of kingdom passages and all lot, they're in Mark and, and, and Luke as well. Um, but the majority are because that's that's where Matthew he majors on Christ the King and the coming kingdom. So you have a lot of those kingdom passages. I want to I do want to look at a few of them though. Look at Matthew eight twenty, and Matthew eight twenty now gets us right in the in the very early early days of his ministry. And we'll pop through, just grab a couple of these. Matthew 8.20 says, And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Interesting, right off the beginning, the Son of Man, the one talked about, spoken of in Daniel 7, has no place to lay his head. Now let's move forward. Uh, 9.6. It says, But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, Rise, take up your bed, and go home. So again, Son of Man. Son of Man has no place to lay his head, but the Son of Man has the power of God. Because he is God. Right? And he... Now let's move on. Let's, chapter 12, verse 4. Let's just pop forward here. 12.40 says, uh, speaking to the Pharisees, for just as, I mean, they're saying, well, give us, show us a sign. Give us a sign. Always asking for a sign. You know, and he goes, a crooked generation asks for a sign. All right? So verse 40 says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You know, that, that also ties back to the book of Daniel. Messiah, Daniel chapter 9, after the 69th week, Messiah will be cut off, which literally means executed as a criminal, cut off, killed. Let's move all the way forward to Matthew 26. Because I think, again, you, all the ones in the middle, I mean, there's a lot of where, and, and the majority of the Son of Man, where you use that, that's recorded in Matthew, they're talking, or where Jesus is referring to himself as the, when, when the Son of Man comes, speaking of his return, you know, that's the bulk of these. 
Um, that was Matthew 13. Matthew 24, obviously, is, is that, that all of it discourse. Matthew, but uh, just for the sake of saving some time this morning, 26.2, it help if I was on the right page. 26.2 says this. <clears throat> I'll pick it up in verse 1. And it came about when Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man is to be delivered up for crucifixion. That's that cutting off that Daniel was talking about. Messiah will be cut off, crucified, Son of Man. And it's, it's all back there. It's all there. This is, it was such a shock to everybody, but it shouldn't have been. <laughs> it, was, it was there. It was there. I mean, um, <clears throat> and we're in 26, one that I actually added this morning. Chapter 26, verse 63. Jesus before the high priest Caiaphas. Okay? But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. In other words, he says, Yeah, I am. And you look at Mark, Luke, they, some of those are more to the point. They said, I am. Okay? And uh, nevertheless, I tell you hereafter, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man. Caiaphas knows who that's referring to. The Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. And that picture of Christ, remember when the, in Acts 1, right after the, the, that Acts rendering of the Great Commission, they watched him go up into heaven, and the angels kind of walked up next to him and said, uh, uh, you know, see, <laughs> I, you, I could almost picture him going, guys, he's coming back the same way on the clouds. I mean, but, uh, but he's always associated with the clouds and the, and the bright, white, blinding clouds and light. And, um, and in verse 65, then the high priest tore his robes, saying, he has blasphemed. What further need we have a witness? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. Well, Caiaphas knew when he said, yeah, you're going to see me coming in. I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father. He was saying, yeah, I am not only Messiah. I am God, Son of God. I am God. I am everything I claim to be, and you understood me. He, he denied nothing. See, that's another thing um, <clears throat> that some folks try to tell you. Um, or might try to tell you, and they tell other people, that, uh, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. What? <laughs> they haven't read, the, they, they must have some weird Bible or something, because it's all over the New Testament. It's all over the New Testament. I mean, well, they're saying Jesus claimed, well, and they kind of ignore the epistles, but it's in, it's in all four of the Gospels. It's in every Gospel. Jesus' personal claim of, of Messiahship, Sonship, Lordship is in all four Gospels. It's in all four of them. And it's, it's just indisputable. Just, you, you know, it's there. You, just, you have to deny a fact. It's there. But then, hey, I hear it all the time on the news. Anyway, <clears throat> and then back to Revelation, and we'll pick it up a little bit here. But anyway, I thought that was worthwhile looking at those passages because it just, again, everything is just, just so interconnects with each other. The scripture, and that's again, that's in, again, that's all part of 
interpreting scripture with scripture and understanding scripture with other scriptures and and making this whole book from Genesis through Revelation is a unit. I mean, it just it really and truly does flow together and with each other. And where he says having a golden crown, um, back to Revelation 14, that golden crown, that's the Stephanos crown, that's the crown of victory. You think, well, gee, I would have thought that'd be a king crown. Oh, that's coming next. (laughs) But this crown signifies the fact that he is victorious, and it's emblematic of his coming conquest over his enemy. He's going to come, he's going to conquer those enemies, and set himself up as the one true king of kings and lord of lords. And we'll see that in Revelation 19. But uh, this is, but right now, the, the picture here is the fact that he's victorious. He's wiping out sin. It's Well, let's keep going. That sharp sickle in his hand, verse 14. Well, let's look at 15 and 16. And here's where the other angel came out of the temple and announced with a loud voice, put in your sickle the reap, the, because, and reap because the hour to reap has come because the harvest of the earth is ripe. That means it's ready to harvest. It's, it's time. It's ready to go. And he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. Again, see, that's that uh, proleptic saying. Like He did it, whoom, and it happened. Well, it's said in that uh, proleptic voice, if you will, or form, as if it, because it will. It's that sure. And how that reaping takes place, it starts in, in chapter 16. We're going to see that. And it's in the, then there's other descriptions, like they get specific, like, well, one verse talks about Babylon. Well, you've got a, a chapter and a half that talks about how Babylon falls and the people's reaction to that. So you get extra information, okay, but the reaping is quick. It's fast. I mean, it's fast. Um, <clears throat> that sharp sickle, you all know what a sickle is, you know? I mean, if nothing else, remember the communist hammer and sickle? It's that round Real sharp. These are big ones. You, 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 you can hold them. You hold them with two hands. It's a great big sickle. And you just, it's sharp as a razor. You just swoosh right over it. And it just, and you got the little handheld version too. Yeah, and this one is one that's going to take the earth out. And that, when that, whatever that sharp blade goes over, it's chopped down. And that's the, that's the picture of the, of the, the judgment where the Messiah comes with his sharp sickle and just chops down the enemy. They're gone. They're gone, okay? Um, again, that whole process is described in, in verses chapter 16 through 20, and which we're heading to next. And that, under, that other angel in verse 17, that uh, we have another one now. Another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. Now, this other angel, not the son of man. <laughs> this is not the son of man. Okay, this, isn't, this is an angel, okay? came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Now remember, you, we can read back where Jesus talks about where he and his angels are coming back and reap a harvest. So the angels are, are already spoken of, in, we've, we've already seen that before, where they are part of this process. Okay? And um, it's, it's fascinating how he uses everybody. He uses all of his people, humans and angels. All of his, his, his uh, elect angels, his elect people. Everybody's going to be used in some way. Wow, just amazing. And that uh, <clears throat> another angel came out, and this, this one had power over fire. I thought that was kind of interesting. Over the fire and came out of the altar. There is some sort of, in some script, some of your Bibles, it's in, in heaven, 
there is something, there's a place called the temple. Other versions may call it a sanctuary. And there's an altar in there. What exactly is going on for sure, we don't know. We're not given a lot. We're just told, boom, it's there. And then from the altar, but let's look at chapter, Revelation 8, 1 to 6. <clears throat> it might give us an idea of, of who this angel is and what he's all about. It might help us out a little bit here. Because remember, he's got ministering angels who do all kinds of things. I mean, things I'm sure we don't even know about. You know, I mean, we remember from Daniel, a long time ago, when we did a study of the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, where there's war, there's angels fighting, you know, God's angels fighting Satan's angels, and this, that, and the, stuff going on that we, we don't even know about. It, it, it'd probably scare us to death if we did. It's probably good that we don't know about all this stuff. But uh, know this, we're on the right side of this, so that's, that's what's really important. Okay. 8-1. And when he broke the, servant, the seventh seal... There was silence in heaven for about a half hour, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given. So these are special angels. These are seven angels that stand before God. And so now he, he, each one has a, and remember we talked about that silence. It's like, it's like all of heaven was awestruck, because all of heaven knows what's coming. And when you start blowing those trumpets, the end is, and the devastation is about to start. And verse 3, and another angel came out and stood at the altar holding a golden censer and much incense was given to him that he might add it to the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So there's a golden altar up there before the throne of God and it's, I find it fascinating. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and he filled it with the fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and, and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. <laughs> and then as we read through this, the rest is history, as we say. <laughs> but I'm thinking that's probably that angel, the angel that went to the altar pulled out the fire, put it in the thing, just swung that in. I don't know if you know what the incense thing looks like. I'm going with my days in the Catholic church when I was an altar boy. I used to swing the old thing, man. I had so much smoke coming out of that thing. The, the, I mean, as medics were heading to the back door. I mean, they were out. They, were, they couldn't stand. They were just, I mean, I had smoke everywhere. They were, they were moving. But... Uh, Anyway, and so I think that's probably that angel, uh, and uh, so they they finally took that thing away from me. But anyway, no no sense of humor those people. But uh, in sh- now in verse nineteen, <clears throat> let's just read eighteen here. The end. The angel came out, and then he said, "Put put your put in your sharp sickle." And gather the clusters of grapes, okay? And <clears throat> the uh, verse 19 says, And the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters of the vines of the earth and threw them into the winepress. Interesting. In the winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside of the city, and the blood and blood came out of the winepress. So these grapes, you know, these grapes are synonymous with people. 
and <clears throat> blood came out of the wine place up to the horses' bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Okay, that great, again, that great wine press, we've talked about this before, it speaks of the full force of God's wrath. You know, <clears throat> I remember one preacher said one time, talking about, you know, people and not, you know, paying attention. He, he was talking about the wrath of God. He said, there should be a big banner across the front of a church that says, don't mess with God. <laughs> because there is literal hell to pay. I mean, really. I mean, and when you really don't want to be under his wrath. And, uh, you know, thank God for his grace that, uh, that we are not. We deserve to be under his wrath, but thank God that he was gracious to us. And then Revelation 14.20, about it being trodden. This is a, without question in my mind, this is a, this is a reference to Armageddon, which is going to be descri- described in further passage, passages. Revelation 19.11, uh, <clears throat> uh, it's in there. We'll wait till we get there to do, you read that. But look at 19.15. We'll just read 19.15. Just, I want to make the connection now and we'll... we'll go into it further when we get there. <clears throat> but 1915, speaking of Jesus, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and as he and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. That is what I believe is being referred to back there in Revelation 14, which is, again, like you get here in Revelation 19, it's further, to get more, we get more description of what that's actually talking about. And this is what Revelation does. It, it'll say something as if it's happened, but just hang on. And that's where it confuses a lot of people. Well, I thought it, I thought it ended here. What, what's the, and again, well, you, you got, again, those statements of that it's like, as if it happened, yet we're going to get more details coming up just again stay tuned okay stay tuned more is coming and you kind of if you read through revelation you kind of keep that in mind as you're reading okay maybe there's more coming and nine times out of ten there will be <laughs> okay there's more coming um <clears throat> well that that sharp sword in his mouth that is the sickle and the sickle is remember this is the creator all he has to do is speak something and it happens. It doesn't have to be a literal, and it is not. I guarantee you, it's not a literal sickle that's going out there. And he just he speaks it, and woof. You want to see how he wipes out? Chapter sixteen describes for us how that sickle operates with these one after another plagues that is coming. Um, outside the city, Revelation sixteen sixteen. And, he, and they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Harmageddon. And this is the um, <clears throat> sixth bowl of wrath. And that one of those bowls of wrath is gathering the armies to that place to be slaughtered, literally. To be, literally be slaughtered. And the Lord speaks it, it happens. And again, there's more detail coming. We already saw in Joel chapter... Three, remember, come to the valley of decision. Okay, that, that's what that's about. Come to the valley of decision. This, again, this, this, this stuff all interconnects. And I think for us, the church, seeing that we're about done now anyway, 
Matthew 9, I think, is a good place to close. And this, this, is, really the, this is the mission of the church. 9.35, and Jesus was going about in all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And we know what happens to sheep without a shepherd. They get killed. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest. We are those workers. The harvest, he sees the harvest as the harvest is described in Revelation. These are people ready to be harvested because of their unbelief. Therefore, Seek and pray that the Lord will send workers into that field, into that harvest, preaching the gospel that we might pick some out of there before the harvest. You see what I'm saying? That's, what, that's the context of, of, of Matthew 9. That's what it's saying to us, telling us, like, look, I mean, do we see the world that way? As people dying? And we work for the great, great physician. So the only cure for their deadly disease is the gospel. And quite frankly, only the true church has it. So on that note, we'll close. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us out of the harvest. And now, Lord, with your wisdom and your strength, may we go back in to the harvest, preach your gospel, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome.